Happy Wednesday. Hey guys, it's Melissa and it's been a little bit. Today is Wednesday, July 13th. I am the founder of a yogi kitchen and pantry and this is off the mat. It's where we talk about all the things, whether they're aha moments or whether they're just the shifts that happen physically that then affect us mentally and emotionally um, that happen on the mat and how they translate into our lives off the mat out in the world. So this session, we've been talking, focusing, breathing into the word clarity and discovering what that might mean. And I wanted to share some of my insights with you, some of my experiences around clarity and also around the word seva or the practice seva. So on the first and third Wednesday, no, the first and third weeks of the month, we, um, our yoga community digs deep into our seva practice. And I wanted to share some of the insights around seva as well as some of the insights around clarity and how they fit together. And I encourage you in the first and third weeks to really look at whatever we're focusing on for the month and apply that to how you breathe into your seva practice. So I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about what the progression of our year has been like, which leads me, I feel like it all links together. So it leads to me to where I am right now in my practice and in my spiritual growth, who I am, my body, spirit. So the beginning of the year, I don't even know the beginning of the year, but I know February or so we focused on, we had a session where we focused on love and a session can be anywhere from three to four weeks. So sometimes it goes as long as six weeks. It just sort of depends on where we all are and what's shifting in our lives, what's happening out in the world. Holiday season sessions may be a little shorter. So um, we focused on love and we focused on heart openers, which makes sense to me as a teacher and as a practitioner that if I'm going to focus on love, I want my heart to feel super open. And we did, I think it was four weeks and it may have gone from like the, the second week of February to the second week of March. I can't remember exactly, but, um, we did a lot of big, intense heart openers. And if you came to class, this is the, the, in all of our classes are on zoom. So if any of this sounds interesting or delicious to you, you can always join us on zoom. We have two hybrid classes currently, um, and you can go to the website and look those up. It's a yogikitchen.com. So that was back when I almost every single session, I encouraged you to do supported fish pose or supported bridge pose at the end of class. We did lots of, um, I cannot think lots of uh, pigeons. Sorry, I couldn't think of the name of it. We did a lot of Ekapata Rajakopatasana, which is pigeon pose. Um, we did a little bit of Natajarasana dancer pose. Um, we just did a lot of back bends in lots of different ways. Lots of camel. That's when we started doing a lot of camel and camel has Ustrasana has continued to be uh, in at least a practice every week or so. Um, not, not in every single practice that we do, but at least one practice. And I've, and we played around with different ways of doing it. And then we actually didn't do this when we were focusing on love, but recently we've added Danyarasana bow pose to our, our back bends, um, which has been really lovely. So the heart got super open and it just felt so yummy. And I just really loved how that felt. And it really helped me have some clarity it really helped me like feel some things that I wasn't able to or willing to um, feel and be present with. And I really loved it. I loved the openness. And it just made me realize one day that I want to feel better alignment in my life between who I am in my head and who I show up in the world to be. And they're not terribly far off, but... um but I wanted it better aligned and I wanted who I was, mind, body, spirit to be better aligned. I wanted my, my seva practice. And again, we're going to talk about seva in a moment, my seva practice to be better aligned with, um, what I teach on the mat. 
Um, I wanted us to, I wanted more community because community is incredibly important to me and connection is incredibly important to me. And I realized that my life had to be better aligned to be able to do that because I've been isolating a little bit because of one pandemic we all did for a while. Um, But I got really comfortable in that and realized sometimes I'm not going out of the house all that much because I can work from home. Um, I see my family. And so just aligning all of those things. So that was our focus for the next session was the word align. And just what would that mean to you? What does it mean at the beginning of a session when I throw out a word? Often we have some really immediate responses to a word. And then as we continue to work on it through a whole session of breathing and practice and meditation, how that shifts and changes and how you feel about a word at the end of the session is often really different. So align was our next big focus and it meant a lot to me on so many levels One of the last sessions of Align, I was already thinking about what our next word, not sessions, our last practices of Align. I was already thinking about what our word for the next session would be. And I kind of had some ideas rolling around in my head. And part of what makes a session is when I look at the schedule, but also when I feel like, okay, I feel like we've worked through clarity enough or we've worked through Align enough. And so my brain starts thinking about the next word. And I know that's when it's starting to feel like, it's time for a new session. So I was um, in supported fish pose, which is where you put the edge of a block right at like C7, which is that vertebra that sort of makes that little bump in your, where the neck and the back meet. Um, you put a block right there and it just, you lay down over it and you rest on the block, which supports your spine and then everything else opens up around it. And because I have a very tight mid-back, it's really awesome pressure on my rhomboids, helping those muscles really release and relax. And it's just the yummiest pose to me. So I was in this pose and I felt this tightness around my collarbone. And I thought, what the heck? Last session, we did so many heart openers. We did so many back bends. Like, how could I be tight in my chest? And... It popped into my head, oh, this is not about your chest. This is about throat energy. This is throat chakra stuff. This is about your truth. This is about being who you're meant to be, speaking your truth, communicating who you are to yourself and to others, clearly. And I thought, oh, there it is. Clarity. That's the word for the next session. And when I put it out there for people, they're like, oh, yes, that's it. And I love when that happens. I love when there's this convergence of energy um, unexpectedly. And so um, clarity became our word this session. So clarity was my, um, my deep felt need, my desire to sort of stop hiding from myself, to um, turn on the flashlight and look at all the dark spider webby corners and really be clear about what's going on. And I think in the back of my head, I would say that I thought once I flashed, you know, the flashlight, I, I shown the flashlight around the room, around my insides, my, my dark spaces, I would kind of just be like done with whatever it was. If you asked me logically, if you asked me out loud, I would never have said that. I would have said, oh, I'm just going to shine the light and then kind of figure out where to go. But I think in the back of my head, I thought, I'm just going to shine the light and then there's going to be light and it's going to be great. And boy, is that not what happened? So um, I'm still sort of in the depths of clarity. I'm still in the depths of really um, saying kind of on a daily basis, like, hey, Melissa, you're lying to yourself. You're not being honest with yourself. This is not who you are. This is not how you feel. This is, or whatever it is. Um, and it's, it's really interesting to me. And I'm going to share a couple of, I don't know, places where I feel very vulnerable is I had this aha moment. This was just the other day. Uh, my partner's been out of town and I'm a pack animal. I like my pack. And I would have told you 
for the last 20 years that I really don't function well without my pack around me. And my partner has been going back to Chicago more than I have because of the pandemic. And just because I've really enjoyed setting down roots in Lawrence, Kansas, a lot more than I had the la- the previous eight years. For the last eight years or so, I've slipped my time in different places in the in the country, and um, I was home one day, and uh, until the last couple of times that he's gone back, I always had this big transition when he leaves. I have trouble getting out of bed some days. Or just even feeling like I'm being productive and really beating myself up a lot. And over the last two years, and granted, there's been a lot going on over the last two years. But over the last two years, I've spent more time in bed than maybe I ever have in my life before. I mean, not literally, but... Um, and I told my, my ex-husband as a, my good friend, and I said, I'm not, I'm not doing well. I'm like, I just spent two days in bed. When have you ever known me to spend a whole day in bed? And I started doing it randomly, um, maybe five years ago. Well, more than five years ago, like six or seven years ago, where I was just like, I don't, especially when I was traveling, I was in this place in life where like, nobody knows who I am right now or where I am right now. Nobody knows like anything about me. I am completely anonymous. This is especially true when I lived in New York. Um, I'm completely anonymous. I can do absolutely anything I want and I'm going to lay in bed and I would feel a fair amount of guilt around it. I would feel a fair amount of I'm not enough. I'm a failure. But I also felt like I just really need to, you know, be in bed, watch some Netflix and eat some pizza and just relax over it. So I got to a place where I thought, well, Melissa, you know, you're a very go, go, go person and you do a lot. So if you need a day to just decompress, that's okay. And there's a lot of people out there taking way more than one day and feel like it's okay. So why can't you just let it go? So that was years ago. And I got to a place where I could let it go. And then my partner started going back after the immediate threat of the pandemic, um, or of coronavirus. I um, stayed and was having more mental health issues around being in bed, not just decompressing, but like, I don't want to move kind of feelings and um, kind of beat myself up about that. Well, the last maybe two or three times my partner's been gone. So this year, basically, I have found that I'm actually really enjoying some of the time. And when I get in bed and watch Netflix, I don't have all that much guilt. I have a lot of like honesty around it with myself. Like, you know what, Melissa, if you don't do the podcast today and you do it tomorrow instead, is that going to matter? If you don't do it this week and you do it next week, does it really matter? And maybe I'm swinging a little bit too far the other way. I don't think so. I don't know. But, um, I have come to be okay with that. So my big, aha moment is that, um, and I'm getting a little teary and, and the tears are, they're out of compassion for myself. And I feel a little ridiculous that I'm 53 and I'm just now sort of being present with this is that I grew up in a violent household. I grew up with a ton of black and white thinking. If you do something this way, it is the right way to do. It is what a certain kind of people do. And we are those kind of people. We do things this way. If you don't do things this way, then you are not a good person. You are not the kind of people that we are. You are not going to be able to succeed in the world. You are not going to be, I mean, there was very rigid lines of what is right and wrong. And it also makes me very sad for my parents that that's how they felt. And that that restricted them through their lives. And I'm so grateful that, um, uh, you know, I have millennial children that are like, mom, that's bullshit ways of thinking. And, um, that I have dialectical behavior therapy that is saying that's a bullshit way of thinking. Like there's lots and lots of ways to do things. And there's lots of ways to, um, 
be successful. There's a lot of ways to define success. So I have a lot of gratitude for that, that I'm not, um, you know, I'm 53 and I'm, I'm figuring that out. And it's been a process over a lot of years. It's not just it, it went ding in my head last week. But one of the things that, that popped into my head um, as I've been thinking about like how my life is going forward and, and just breathing into the clarity of the moment is I really sort of enjoy the slower pace. And I may be a person who wants to go back and live in New York City again. But right now, for who I am and where I am, I really enjoy the slower pace. And I was so surprised by that. And it dawned on me that my life has been so rigid, not my life, but my upbringing was so rigid. And I, this rigid way of thinking was so ingrained in me that even all the chipping away that I have done at it over the last maybe 15 years, 17 years, just chipping away at that rigidity, chipping away at the black and white thinking, um, also, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Um, but the chipping away has given me this place now and it's still here. I guess that's what I was trying to say. All the stuff that I've done for all these years, some of that thinking and some of that ways of being is still here. And I just had this major, like <sighs> big exhale, like, okay, it's not here anymore. There's no one way to do it. And I have a lot of gratitude for some of the people in my life that have very black and white thinking because it drives me nuts. And then I'm like, oh, let's shine the light. Let's, let's look, Melissa. Like in reality, you have some of that too. You have some judgments and you try so hard to be non-judgmental, but there's some things that are really hanging on there. And so the, the idea that was making me teary is that if I am a person who has been, has this black and white thinking ingrained, like it has to be a certain way, then I actually don't know who I am that as I'm shining the light, maybe I'm not shining all the way into the depths of the corners, or maybe I'm just looking at the corners at the floor. And you all have done this, you know, you're in a basement somewhere, or in a dark space, and you shine the light down and you think, okay, and then you shine the light up and you're like, oh, fuck. And you know, sometimes it's bats, sometimes it's spider webs, sometimes it's there's a whole, you know, shelving unit along the ceiling that you didn't see, it can be all kinds of stuff. Um, and I think that's where I am, where I'm like, I thought I really understood who I was and what I, what I enjoy in life, what I desire, my core values. And I took the light up to the ceiling and I was like, oh, there's so much more than I was really choosing to look at. So um, that and right now I'm getting a little breathy. I like to share my anxiety symptoms with, with people. Um, I'm getting a little breathy and a little teary because it's a scary thing. Like I thought I saw, you know, all the corners, what everything looked like. And then I took the flashlight and looked at the ceiling and it's been a big aha. So I've been taking some time to really look at, um, what parts of my life of who I've been, do I really love and want to hold on to? And what parts of my life, um, and I, I don't know there's any part of my life that I'd like to say goodbye to, but I do think there's some patterns, some behaviors, some thinking patterns that I really want to just figure out how to, I don't know, incinerate them, just, you know, set them on fire and let them go. So that's some of my, um, that's some of my, my work around clarity, this session. And as you all know, it's a process. This is not the first time in my life I've thought about some of this stuff. But I will tell you, like 20 years ago, I shone the flashlight in the middle of the room and there was all kinds of crap, right? And so I, I cleared it out. I worked through some of that stuff. I moved some boxes. I cleared a space where there was a lot of space on the floor. And so until recently... You know, I had just been working on what was on the floor. If you, again, we're going with this analogy of a, a basement, a dark basement room, um, the floor, you know, I got cleared out and I looked in my corners and I was like, okay, the corners aren't so bad. 
And then I looked at the whole room and I was missing half, not half the story, but I was missing a part of the story. And so that um, has just really been sort of mind blowing to me. Um, I was recently talking with one of the yoga students who um, cooks with us, practice Seva together, Seva, excuse me, Seva together. And um, I think she said something like, I don't want to ever stop growing. And that is something I so believe. I always want to be growing and changing and evolving. And that is yoga, right? That, that is the purpose of yoga is, is our growth. Um, and I know so many people out there in the world that are like, nope, this is enough. I'm good. And, um, it breaks my heart. So there's, there's a lot of stuff there. There's a lot of my core values. There's a lot of stuff that's absolutely going to stay. Like I, there's a big part of me that I am who I am. Like I deeply believe in that. And that's probably never going to change how that looks, what it looks like that could be changing. So I encourage you to breathe into the word clarity. And, um, what does that mean for you? And if you're not ready to look up into the corner of the ceiling, that's okay. You can keep the flashlight shining down. I don't think, um, it was a bad way to do it. It worked for me. Uh, maybe there are people who wanted to start in the ceiling and then move down to the corners on the floor, or maybe there are people who just want to do one half of the room at a time and then the other half of the room. I mean, there's no right or wrong, right? It, you can do it however it works best for you. So um, I encourage you to breathe into clarity and your clarity may look completely different than mine. There's been some other stuff, clarity about who I am physically. Um, what are my desires around who I am physically? Uh, my mental health and some clarity around that. Um, but this was the big kind of aha moment that I just wanted to share with you guys about how I'm, I'm shining the light somewhere new. Okay. I want to talk now about Seva or dedication to others. Sometimes it's called selfless service. The word is a Sanskrit word that actually means oneness. And I just heard this very interesting Dharma talk about how Seva is not about other people. It's about the oneness that you connect with in your heart. And I had never heard that before because the U.S. idea around Seva is basically charity. It's charity work. And the Dharma talk said, it's the exact opposite. It's not charity work. It's your own practice. It's what you're doing for yourself. And it's you connecting with that oneness. And I, I thought that was so interesting because that makes so much sense to me. So Seva has always been part of my personal spiritual practice. Um, I have always believed it's important, but I didn't I didn't feel as deeply connected to it and as committed to it as I do now. And as I have maybe the last 18 months, two years or so. Um, so I have practiced Seva on my own in lots of different ways throughout my life. Um, in fact, I was just remembering the other day, my very first volunteer uh, opportunity was um, in Chicago. I was, I don't know. If, I can't remember if I was high, in high school or not. No, I was still in middle school. So I was like 13, 12 or 13. And uh, I volunteered at the Illinois Rehab Center, I think is what it was called, Illinois Rehabilitation Center. And I think it was through Northwestern Hospital. Um, and it was really eye-opening to me. Um, I worked with kids in rehab. Um, I worked with a girl who was probably just a little bit younger than me who'd been thrown out of a window and um I guess her I can't remember now but I think her pelvis was shattered I worked with a 16 year old kid in a gang who got shot in the head and couldn't speak and was incontinent um and it just it I got to see a different part of the world 
Um, I really connected deeply with the idea of healing and how healing isn't always about cutting into someone or medicating them. And that really resonated with me because I come from a medical family and I was very drawn to the healing that my parents and my sister do, but I knew that I didn't want to cut into someone and I didn't want to medicate anyone. Um, that wasn't me, that if I could heal people in other ways. Um, and so over time, especially working with, I wish I could remember his name, working with the gunshot victim, um, cause he couldn't talk. Um, the nurses would say he lights up whenever you come, like your visit is his favorite time. And, um, over the time that I worked with him, I got to see him do physical therapy. And I think now I'm trying to remember if he was able to walk with crutches, I think that's what it was crutches or was it a walker? I think it was a walker. Um, which I, you know, I think that was, I didn't, um, I don't know what happened after he left the rehab center, but anyway, so that was one of my very first experiences. And I just, um, I didn't know it at the time. And it wasn't until looking back many years later is how important I think that kind of work is. And the thing that I've always realized is that doing that work really feeds my soul and it's not feeding my ego. And I think it's really important, especially when you start to practice Seva, to really get present with that. What is feeding your ego and what is feeding your soul? And there's no right or wrong. Um, but however, as yogis, we, we try to release our ego, right? We try to let go of ego, step outside of ego, see where ego is influencing us. Um, so for me, if I'm in my ego around the work that I do, the, the volunteer work that I do, my seva practice, then I really want to look at my motivation. I really want to step back from that. Um, and there are people out there that would say, who cares where it comes from? You're doing good things. And that is true. But one of my core values is spiritual growth. So it always has to be about that growth. And it doesn't mean I stop being of service. It just means that I need to work on my stuff. Like I need to get into my, my body and work through my ego stuff and figure out what it is or why it is or, or where am I lacking? Why am I feeling like I need to be in my ego around my service? Because there's something emotionally, spiritually, mentally I'm lacking, or I feel like I'm lacking. I feel like I'm not enough. Not that I'm actually lacking, but I'm feeling it, feeling like I'm not enough, not really um, being present with how beautiful and wonderful I am. So I encourage you when you are in your seva practice, whether it is, and we're going to have opportunities to practice way more seva than we've been doing. And I'm so excited for this. I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. And you can, wherever you are in the world, you can contribute and you can do this either in your own community or you can contribute to our community. Um, so currently what we've been doing since the pandemic began, um, I've always wanted to cook for people on a very local level not necessarily in a restaurant, not, but in a very personal way, at a very local level, I wanted to see the people that I serve, literally serve, like dish food up for. I wanted to see them, uh, know them. And so when I owned a restaurant, I really, it was important for me to keep it small. I was the person who was cooking. I was the person often who was serving you. I wanted it to be a mom and pop kind of place. And I, I really, that resonates with me, mom and pop. Like I avoid big corporate anythings, um, like the plague. I, I dated someone years ago that I don't, I don't think that they really wrapped their head around the difference between going to like a Chili's and going to like your local restaurant down the street and would want to go to chain restaurants like all the time and shop at big chain stores. And I was like, no, I can't do this. So that was, there's a core value that was incompatible that perhaps I should have um, seen as a red flag. I think honestly, I was in my ego. And instead I thought, oh, they're going to change. 
they're, they're going to come over here to my side and see how this is. Um, I have learned that lesson more than once. Um, so I remember very well watching Downton Abbey and how, and I can't remember all the characters and everything. It's been a while since I saw Downton Abbey, but how, um, basically these women from the big house, um, started a soup kitchen down the hill and every day they just made food and every day they just put out as much as they could for soldiers. And I thought that's what I want to do. Like I want to set up 10 foot folding tables in my front yard. This was the beginning of the pandemic. I want to set up 10 foot folding tables in my front yard and just make soup every day. People can come and have soup. And I really kind of got excited about the idea. And so that was sort of, I think, the beginning of when we started the pantry. I just put, uh, was it a container back in the day? I think it was. It was a container back in the day on my lawn and said, hey, people need food. If you've got food, come bring it here and I'll make sure it gets distributed. And we collected food. And that was the beginning of a yogi kitchen becoming a yogi kitchen and pantry. So we collected food and we, we still have the pantry going. Our, uh, so we do a couple of things with the food. One of the things we do is I cook meals and I haven't done this as consistently this last few months as I was doing it before, but I cook meals from food from the pantry. So I'm a chef. So it's, it's, um, one of my superpowers is to look at a bunch of things that don't seem like maybe they fit together and go, Oh, we have this and this and this let's make this meal. So, uh, I do that and I put it together and instead of putting it on my front lawn, which, um, I actually wouldn't hate doing, but I found a much better use for it or place to put it is I take it to sunrise project in Lawrence, Kansas, and they have a front porch pantry that began with the pandemic and I it's labeled, and dated and it goes in the in the fridge and then people whoever wants food can come get it and that was sort of the beginning then the next step of our seva practice was i asked the founder who also is a yogi and one of my students from she's been my student on and off for i think a good like 12 years and i said hey what if the yogis baked like could you use some some baking and she said, yes, that would be great. Let me con let me get you in contact with the person. And I thought like we were going to donate like a few dozen cookies. She asked for 250. I was like, oh, that's more than a few dozen. And so I wrapped my head around that one, <laughs> involved the community, got our yogis baking. And currently we, uh, twice a month, we provide between 250 and 300 sweets. It's not always cookies, sweets, um, for the community meal at a yogi, at a yogi kitchen at sunrise project. And then one day I was delivering cookies and it smelled so good. And I love a beautiful industrial kitchen. And I said, Hey, if you guys ever need help, let me know. And she was like, what? Yes, of course we would love that. And I was like, wait, you would. I said, Oh, don't, don't play with my heart here. Are you sure? And they're like, yes, we need help. I was like, Oh, all right. Let me get you know, I don't have a phone tree, but let me get on the phone, which actually means let me text a bunch of people. Uh, and let me see if, you know, our yogis can come in and help. So that was, I can't remember the first meal we helped for, I believe it was last fall. So we're coming up on a year where we have been showing up twice a month, the first and third weeks, uh, Wednesdays of the month to help feed people for the community meal at Sunrise Project. And I cannot tell you how happy it makes me and how much it feeds my soul. It feeds my soul because I believe in pe feeding people. I believe that being able to eat, and I'm going to start crying. Being able to eat is a real basic need in this world. It's, it's, you know, there's only a few basic needs and that's a big one. And, um, the food, the food issues in this country and how we treat people, um, who can't afford to go sit down in a restaurant and eat who maybe don't have a permanent home. It, it just, it makes me nauseated. It is so awful what we do to people in this country that we think are different than us. 
So I feel very committed and I love working with Sunrise. So it feeds me in that I feel feeding people is really important, but it also feeds my soul in that we stand in that kitchen and we chop and we dice and we simmer and we package food and we laugh and we connect and I meet new people every time I'm going there. I've met some incredible kids. I don't care what people say. I have been working with some kids who are 16, 17 years old who make my jaw drop. I'm like, man, if I had had my shit together like they do now, if that had happened when I was 17, I'd be a completely different person right now. Like it just floors me. So say what you will about this next generation, but I'm seeing some lovely examples and I'm excited for the world. Um, These people are strong and smart and powerful and they get it in maybe a way that a gen- no generation before them really has. Um, they see our shit. They see their shit. They're just, I'm in love. So um, it feeds my soul in that way. I get to see the next generation coming up. I get to laugh with people. I meet new people. I get to feed people. Every time I stand out on the porch and I hand out food, um, I'm meeting new people. And sometimes, you know, there's a bunch of people. And so I can't talk, but sometimes not so many people. And so I get to talk with a few of them, some that I knew before and some that I'm meeting. And now that I've done it for this long, I see the same people show up all the time. And um, it's really a lovely, lovely thing. So that has been our Seva practice with our, within our community. Um, and you can absolutely, if you're far away, you can help by donating um, funds at either yogikitchen.com or at sunriseprojectks.org. So sunriseprojectkansas.org. And we feed people and they garden. And I don't do a lot in the garden because um, I don't like the heat. But um, I have been out in the garden and done some and it's really satisfying. It's way more satisfying than gardening in my own yard. Um, and there's youth programs and it's just a really awesome organization. And I, I encourage you to go and look them up. And so my clarity around Seva has been huge this last week or so where I've really let it be okay that I love doing this work. I love it. Um, when I first started loving it towards the beginning of the pandemic and I, because I'm a, I'm someone who really loves connection and I crave connection and I like my pack. I'm a pack animal. Um, when I'm saying, okay, I got to I gotta get the stuff together for, for our meal next month or next session, next meal, um, I get on the computer and I email people and I text people and that makes me happy. I have so much fun and joy around that. And then, you know, just seeing the progress and seeing people step up and getting to meet new people as I ask. Um, there's a few people now outside of our yoga community that have been baking and helping out. And that has been amazing. It's, it's widened our circle and that's what it's about. That's Seva. That's oneness. That's how I see oneness in the world and how I choose to show up in my Seva practice. And since then, since I've broadened my Seva practice, since I've really committed to one community more, everything in my life feels like it fits together way better. So Um, it was so much easier to shine the flashlight and to be okay, to not be scared of the dark corners, to even be a little humbled by the dark corners. Like, wow, Melissa, you've really gone through some shit in your life. And yeah, of course there's, there's stuff in the corner because who can deal with all of that at once? Who can manage all of that? Like some of it had to get shoved in the back corner. And so now let's, let's pull it out and let's look at it. Um, so I've been babbling here for a bit now, uh, but that's our Seva practice, how I've chosen to do it, why I've chosen to do it. And the clarity around it is, um, that I'm going to keep giving as much energy to this as I want, and I'm not going to edit myself. So in the beginning, when I got really excited about it, I was like, no, Melissa, you have a business to run. You cannot get over involved in this organization. 
Um, and then throughout the months, I've seen how the two organizations can fit together. And I, I'll tell you, in all honesty, I'm about to go meet Melissa for coffee, the founder of, a, of Sunrise Project. I've really treated this time as an internship. I wanted to learn about nonprofits. I've wanted to learn more about serving community um, in a real open hearted, love based way. Um, not a them and us way, but a all of us, we do it together. Um, because Sunrise Project is not for people in need. It is for all people. It is for our community, for every single person in our community. So I don't care what your address is, what your bank account has, what kind of car you drive. If you want to come and get a free meal, come get a free meal. And if you want to donate some money for that meal, that's awesome. But it's never expected of anyone. Um, and that's real hard thing. That's a real hard thought pattern to break down for people. And, um, I almost feel like maybe I'm more passionate about that than feeding people. It, it wavers a little bit, but I'm like, no, we all deserve community and connection and food. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter if you're getting off your yacht to come get a free meal, go for it. Come be part of our community because that's equity right? We all need to do it together. So, uh, and you can't get off your yacht in, in Lawrence, Kansas to come get your meal. That was just me being cheeky. Um, so coming up, what I've decided, how beautiful this practice has been and how I feel like it's just opened my life. The energy swirls through every part of me, mind, body, spirit, so much more freely now that I've dedicated so much to my Seva practice, Seva practice. Um, and I want that. I want that for everyone. I want that for you. Um, I want you to go to into your own communities. If you're part of our community, come do whatever you want at whatever organization, but get involved, be part of a community, create equity, learn how to um, communicate and appreciate and have empathy for people who don't look or sound like you. And that's how it gets better. Um, this is social change through connection, through food, which my passion, right? Through food, through growing food, if you choose to do it at Sunrise Project, through cooking food, through serving food. And there's lots of places and lots of different communities where you can do that. Um, and, and how to do it with compassion and with empathy and with humanity. And, um, if you go to sunriseprojectks.org, there's a great new video on there. Um, Melissa talking about what they do and some of the board members talking about what they do and why. And I'm in the video. You got to look for me. I'm not talking, but you can look for me. I'm in the video. And the other place I would say, if you want to really get inspired to do some, some Seva practice, uh, brag, Brown Bag Lady on Instagram. One of my favorite things. She's a woman who serves food in um, on the streets. In oh, there's a word I want to use and I can't think of it. Oh, there's a name for this area where she serves. But anyway, it's it's a very um, it's a very uh, low resources area and people with a lot of low resources and she goes out and she feeds them and just from going out and feeding with a hundred meals the first time she did it um she has grown and she gives out hats and coats and hygiene supplies um so we're we're taking a page from her book because i'm just so inspired by her um and also on Instagram, follow a yogi kitchen and follow Sunrise Project. It's the Sunrise Project on Instagram. Um, so starting in September, we are going to start knitting and crocheting for the winter months. Uh, so probably towards the end of September, we'll let the teachers and the kids kind of get settled in. And then um, we're going to do a tutorial. If you don't know how to knit or crochet. We'll do a tutorial and I put the word out there. If you know how to knit or crochet and you want to teach a tutorial, it'll just be something we record and either put on the website or put on the Facebook page um, to teach people how to make a hat, how to crochet a hat. 
Um, and I put the word out there to a couple people. And so I'm just waiting to hear who wants to do it. And then um, we'll crochet and knit and you can do it in your own home or there's going to be at least a couple times in um, maybe September, October, November, where we're going to get together and do it together. Um, having said that, we are looking for donations of knitting needles, of crochet hooks and of yarn. So if, you know, you used to be a knitter or your mom was and you're helping her downsize or whatever, um, and you'd like to donate, please let me know. I'm happy to drive anywhere in the Kansas City, Topeka, uh, Lawrence area to pick up those things. And um, come, let's see, what else are we doing? I think that's our big seva outside of cooking meals, our big seva for the fall. And then in the summer... We have a couple things coming up in spring and summer. Oh, we'll contribute to coffee and coats at Sunrise Project. So that is um, that is we collect coffee, we collect coats, and there's a big uh, outdoor coffee fun thing with with snacks and and baked goods that we will um, have for people to come and and grab whatever warm weather gear you need and so if you are you know cleaning out closets or doing any of that kind of stuff as school starts and you've got coats or sweaters hats gloves scarves that you would like to share to donate um i can come pick them up and keep them in my donation closet until sunrise needs them anytime you have things that you're like this would be a great donation you don't know where to take it I'm happy you can drop it off there's a bin in my front yard at all times you can put it in the bin um, or I can come pick them up and put them in the donation closet either until someone calls and says hey we have a three-year-old in the foster care system who needs clothes um, then there's a couple of organizations in town uh, and there's one in particular the Sunshine Foundation um, they provide things like that for foster care and I often uh, she donates to stuff and I've asked her what she needs and we will talk to them. They're going to need Christmas stuff. They're going to need Christmas gifts for foster kids. Um, so that's always an option of donating to me. And then I hold on to it until an organization needs something. So I held on to blankets until Ballard Center was low on blankets last winter. Uh, I held on to coats until Sunrise needed coats. So uh, at this point in my life, I have room for that and that works really well and it makes me super happy to do it. Um, and if the clothes, you know, sometimes I get donations that aren't in the best shape and so we wash the clothes or we clean up books and things that we've gotten. Uh, we're going to do suits for the summer. Come around April or May, we're start collecting suits for kids um, because there's a lot of, you know, kids that, that don't go to the pool that don't go to places because they, their parents can't afford swimsuits. So we'll collect suits for kids. And I think that's kind of it. And I've gone way over what my plan was for this, but I just started talking about Seva and I get excited and I get um, inspired and it just opens my heart. So that's my clarity around Seva is that I'm just going to sink into how excited and how happy it makes me and not worry about where it's going or getting too involved in this work so that I'm not taking care of my business because I realize that they take care of each other and they fit together. And we are going to stay a grassroots organization. Um, I had thought about being a 501c3 at one point. And um, through a lot of what I've learned in my, my internship with Sunrise and just talking with people who run 501c3s and people who run grassroots, um, I've decided to stay a grassroots organization. So we will continue to feed people. We will continue to have a pantry for food. Um, if you ever know anyone who is hurting and there's nothing at other places, we always have food in our pantry. Um, you can just contact me by texting 785760. Sorry, let me slow down. 785-760-5412 or emailing Mel at a Yogi Kitchen. Um, or you can also just contact me through the website, ayogikitchen.com. And our last big thing that we're doing that I'm so excited about is on Sunday nights. This will be the third Sunday coming up. 
we I teach yoga at Sunrise Project. It's community yoga. It's donation-based, just like all of our classes. It's one of the only in-person classes I'm doing right now because our numbers with um, Omicron are so high right now. Um, we're still doing most of our classes on Zoom. But this is an in-person class. Um, at the moment, our classes are small. And so I'm asking people to spread out and you don't have to wear a mask if we're spread out. If we get bigger, we will be wearing masks together. But for right now, um, bring your mask, but then you can take it off once you get on your mat. And as always, it's donation. Your donation dollars go to help us feed more people, to help me buy yoga clothes when I need them, uh, to help keep my internet on so we can have classes to put gas in my car so that I can go pick up donations. Um, and, and don't be, I think people get confused about donations. Um, that doesn't mean that um, this is free necessarily. If you need to have a free class because of your budget, that is understandable. Um, but I, I do get paid through these donations. So I do ask that you try to donate something. And I would love to get to a place where if every single person who comes to class needs to come free, I can do it. But at this point, um, this is my salary also. Your donation helps cover the things that help me be who I am so that I can keep doing what I'm doing. So I hope you're having a wonderful July. Um, one of the things that I want to do this July is I'm challenging myself is to be more visible. That means who I am, mind, body, spirit, and where you see me, whether it's on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, in the podcast, on the blog, in the newsletter. Um, I just want to show up a lot more for the next four weeks at least. Go to yogikitchen.com and see um, uh, all the different things that we're doing will be listed soon. Most of them are, not all of them are right now. And um, you can see all the classes that we're teaching. Join us at 1501 Larnard, which is Sunrise Project, Sundays from 7 from 8.15. Oh, yeah. The in-person classes, I'm going back to teaching 75 minutes. So right now, the schedule just says that it's... Um, uh, the community yoga class, but coming up, I'm going to extend the restorative class to 75 minutes. Also have an awesome time. Please, please, please send me comments, go follow us all over the internet and, um, help us grow. Namaste.